Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jenikin. And today we're joined by two very special guests, Matt and Poodle from Reality Gaze. Hi, guys. We're so happy to be here. His real name is Jake. He just doesn't want people to know. That's why he goes by Poodle. But it's It's really his share. His name is Jake Anthony, everybody. He lives in Los Angeles on Orange Grove Road. 6969 Orange Grove. Nice. Well, I'm a a sissy, as they they call uh, reality gay stands. So I know Jake as Poodle. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I respond to the name. Um, I did get screamed at in an airport once. <gasps> Somebody just went, <laughs> 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 and when it happens, I don't know if they're an ex boyfriend or what, or or worse, worse, a wife of an ex boyfriend. Mm. Um, Tell us the story of when of when your mother was trying to was trying to understand why you're called Poodle. My mother, <laughs> my mother, you. You you were ex- trying to explain to my mother who we refer to as Mother Poodle on the show, and she's like, "What is that? Why they call you Poodle? What's what's that? Jaybird? Because I'm called Jaybird by her. That's my oh. nickname." And she's like, "What's that mean?" And and you said, "It's the guy kind of like he looks like a poodle." And she's like, "I don't know about that." <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Could have come up with something better myself. (laughs) She doesn't get it. So that's fine. I don't see it. But yes. So anyway. Um, So we are continuing our series on Broadway scandals. And what better scandal to dedicate this episode to than the absolute disaster that was Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh, oh, Uh. I'm so happy to be here to talk about musical theater uh, and scandals and disasters. Uh, both of us, as you probably know, we're, we've done theater. I'm a musical director for theater. I've been around theater a long time. I write theater. I live theater. I breathe theater. I am theater. And I'm so happy to talk about the absolute piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, us too. Desi that and is I are both theater people. And we've both done stage stuff. We love it. Yeah. We love musical theater as well. Yeah, I'm just shocked because I saw a version of this play at Universal Studios. It wasn't this play, but it was a Spider-Man musical show. <laughs> and when I heard they were making this, this Broadway theme park music, show, <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, that's like what you see at a theme park. Right. In like my the opinion. Captain America show at Disneyland I, right now. I think that was I think that was the idea that it was just going to be a cash grab. But yeah. like you said, then Julie Taymor needed to make it a dark night of the soul. <laughs> oh, and we're going to get into Julie Taymor. I have a lot of tea about oh, the behind the scenes. We're just, we're just going to talk about the 
the genesis of this idea yeah. and up to opening night. And Perfect. I don't know. I am theater, but not as much as y'all. So I don't know oh. a lot about this. So I'll be discovering. It killed like audience. 11 people. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 people were I do remember all that. Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor's a murderer. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. So my main source for this episode is the fabulous book called Song of Spider-Man, in yeah. the inside story of the most controversial music musical in Broadway history. It is by Glenn Berger, who co-wrote the book with Julie Taymor. Oh, so <laughs> oh, we are, it's deep tea. She's going to she's going to look pretty good, though, has to, I guess. No, she doesn't, because he oh. starts because he starts off the book by saying, I, like, I realize I'm burning this bridge completely. Oh, <gasps> basically. And that's oh, when I was scandal. hooked. Yeah, oh, this is, is a, a bitter queen. This is a bitter queen. Yes. Oh. So she still kept her name on the book, though? <laughs> no, the musical, the script. Oh, oh, he wrote the musical oh. with her. He wrote yeah. the got musical it, with her. It. Yeah, the book. Um, But he wrote this book, this memoir about <gasps> Spider-Man. Oh, this is so fucking petty. I am so here for it. Yeah. Let's just get started. Uh, in case you don't know, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark was a highly anticipated and highly ambitious musical, but it would be a long, difficult road before the show's premiere in June of 2011. Can we just pause? Yes. Turn off the dark. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. I never got it. No. They do try to explain it in the book, in this, in Glenn Berger's book. It, it comes from one of Bono's friend's children who used to say, like, Daddy, turn off the dark, I guess referring to put my nightlight on, possibly. That's so Daddy, turn off the dark! <laughs> that has nothing That's... to do with Spider-Man. I no, like how you say Bono, and I, the I show, think it could... Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse than Bono. Oh, and then you add music. more. I didn't know that. They wrote the music. Yes. Bono or yeah, you I did know that. Bono and The Edge. And it's, the, and don't it's leave the a, edge out. He's responsible too. Yeah, it's abominable. It is. It is. Awful. is it's awful. truly awful. That sounds really bad. So it was 2002 when this whole fucking thing started. Mm. Producer Tony Adams and his business partner, entertainment lawyer David Garfinkel, acquired the rights from Marvel to bring Spider-Man to Broadway. In order to properly serve such a gigantic piece of IP, they knew they had to bring in some heavy hitters for the score. That's when they called upon you 2 They're like, we need Bono and the Edge to make a sweeping, epic rock and roll score that's going to really kick ass and do Spider-Man justice. Match they made in Broadway heaven. Yeah. <laughs> And you two was all in. They're like, hell yeah, we'll write a Spider-Man musical for you. <sighs> Next, another heavy hitter was appointed to direct. Julie Taymor, who <sighs> is a very famous yeah. theater and film director. She did The Lion King, which obviously one of Broadway's biggest yeah. hits. Yeah. And Julie would eventually be enlisted to co-write the book alongside Glenn Berger. So they were writing the script together. When Berger was brought on in 2005, he was shocked. He couldn't believe a big deal like Julie Taymor he wanted said, to work What the this. fuck is this? Well, <laughs> he kind of did. He kind of did. But 
he realized it was such a big deal because of Julie Taymor and you too. And he's like, I guess. So Taymor and Berger met up for the first brainstorming session and ideas were just bouncing off one another. They were fast friends. Can I ask a question? If you, do you think when you meet Julie Taymor and like you hug her, does she smell like that rock deodorant? <laughs> Wait, like rock deodorant? Yeah, oh, like you... the rock deodorant that you put on your oh, like, like the natural, like one? the natural yeah. deodorant, like not native or something, not, not native, not native. We sp- who is a sponsor? No, it's no. literally like crystals <laughs> that you keep. In... We love yeah. them. Well, um, no, it's like a rock. It's like it's crystal. like rocks, <laughs> like in water like, with salt, and I don't and, know and. And you, everyone who uses the rock rock deodorant kind of smells just a little like bo. Yeah, like because yeah, it doesn't hint. fucking work. Briny, yeah, briny bo. Briny. Like a, She's a like a salt crunchy. wife. Yeah, mm. well, I guarantee you, y'all. If you hug her, you'll smell that rock deodorant. Well, Glenn was horny for it. What? He was horny for her scent. He was enchanted by Julie. I mean, mm. he had he was married. He has a wife. He had a wife and yeah. kids. But uh, you know, horny. In that's the, the in problem. Everyone was way. straight. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Artistic horny. But just days later, Berger said he received an ominous warning from Julie's lawyer at a function. (gasps) He told him the day more. Yes. (laughs) Run. (laughs) He told him, quote, you're about to jump into some seriously deep water. You have no idea the amount of money and expectation riding on this project. And there are some extremely challenging personalities that you're going to have to contend with. But you're the right first person for the job. You'll be fine. That's wow. a little bit. Uh, this is her attorney. So this means like this is supposed to be Julie Taymor's like right hand person. Like her yeah. advocate. Yeah. Yeah. So the pressure was on to churn out a brilliantly written book. Berger recalled a meeting early on with Tamor that occurred in which neither of them liked each other's ideas. He asked her if she had ever thought about the fact that doing a Spider-Man musical was stupid. What? And she... (laughs) (laughs) This this, this is 2005 when he brought this up to her. He said, maybe this just isn't a good idea. Maybe this is dumb. Yeah, is this a bad idea? That's like when you're trying to see talk about someone you hate with someone and you're not sure if they hate them too but yeah you kind of broach the subject i imagine it's probably like oh that's like miriam huh <laughs> you roll your eyes and see if they know you roll your eyes like oh yeah i love miriam I'm like do you it's like probably you when her? you when you do like when you uh when you do like a booty bump of meth for the first time Ooh. you ask and if you and if you don't know what a booty bump is, Google it. Um, oh, I but, do. I'm uh, in recovery. I know. Oh, there you go. But I mean, it's like, do you just like say, "Hey, I've done meth, but I'm about to insert it in my butt. Is this a good idea or not?" <laughs> what do you think? I think Julie? it's pretty comparable. <laughs> oh, <that> means- <laughs> I think it's fun. So Julie, of course, did not see it that way. She's like, "What are you talking about? Ridiculous! This is a great idea." A Spider-Man musical. Why wouldn't we do a Spider-Man musical? She was like so serious, almost insulted that he would even mention that this was a ridiculous idea. Berger was worried that he might be fired if he couldn't turn out something Julie Tamor, Tamor and Joni and Joni, Tony Adams liked. But the reality was that Tamor loved working with Glenn Berger and wanted to make this creative partnership work. Berger did, too. And he was all in at this point. 
Tamor and Berger's treatment was swiftly rejected. It's too dark. <laughs> so the first treatment they sent in, Marvel was like, this is way too dark. That's wow. the title. Turn off the dark. <laughs> they did turn off. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> they turn it off a little more. They also... Turn it down. Turn they, down the dark. <laughs> they specifically hated the concept and demanded that Tamor remove the character of Arachne. Now, Tamor was set on Arachne. This was a villainess inspired by Greek mythology. Because, <laughs> of course, it was. Oh, God. <laughs> Julie she Tamor. Had, she had this whole Greek mythology motif throughout the musical. And the people at Marvel were like, well, what does this have to do with Spider-Man? Right. So you don't understand. See, I am a bit of a comic book nerd, actually. Uh, so, yes. so I do know, like, Arachne has never been in the Spider-Man. Like, there are so many great villains in Spider-Man to use already. She wanted to use a picture from Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, because this was going to have gravitas. Yes. A dead serious piece. Okay. Like Medea. <laughs> <laughs> and so Tamor said, if Arachne's out, then I'm out. <gasps> so they were like, okay, okay, do it. Do your little she, Greek. She mythology. left the room and her rock deodorant scent lingered. <laughs> <laughs> it got extra potent. It got, she was sweating. <laughs> Tony Adams was set on Julie directing, so he had to find a way for there to be some kind of agreement between her and Marvel. That same year in October of 2005, Tony Adams was at the Edge's apartment getting his signature for a contract. Sorry, let's just, that's just, I'm just the Edge's the apartment. apartment. I didn't know how else to write police? that. Is that the <laughs> Is that the Edge? I didn't even look up his real name. The it's Edge. Like I don't think he goes by it. I don't think, I do have a funny story that one of uh, an old colleague that used to work at a theater years and years traveled the world. And one day he was traveling like somewhere in Europe and he sat down at this park bench and he was sitting there and this man sat down beside him and he was like in Dublin or Netherlands, somewhere in Europe. And he sits down and he turns and looks and it's Bono <gasps> sitting next to him on a park bench and they start talking and he says his name and, or he, my friend says, Oh, my name's Mark. He's like, but I know your name is. And he said, you're Bono, right? <laughs> <laughs> And he said that Bono laughed so hard for like 10 minutes. And they had like an hour discussion. That's oh nice. God. He had a sense of humor about it. Yeah. yeah. So so maybe the, but so my question to you is, does the edge have the same sense of humor? Or can you fuck up the edge when you say his name? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he's the serious one. Maybe Do you call serious. him the edge? When you yeah. Say I, <laughs> I, or, or does he get upset if you leave off the the? Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> hey, Edge. Hey, Edge. Edgy. Hey, don't call me Edgy. Well, Tony Adams was at his apartment. And while he was at his apartment, Tony Adams suffered a stroke. What? Oh, my God. And he died two days later. <gasps> so the producer of this show dropped dead. If that weren't an ominous warning. Was it a spider bite? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that would be it was great. tendrils from Julie Tamor's underarms. <laughs> 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 but the show soldiered on. They were going to make this work, goddammit. And with the new producer, they hired Tony's lawyer, David Garfinkel, who had no musical theater experience whatsoever, but 
he was Tony's partner. And so he was helming the ship now. Get a bunch of lawyers. Name? What else could go wrong? <laughs> his last name's Garfinkel. Garfinkel. Like Garfinkel. Yeah. <laughs> a a so, bunch of lawyers are the perfect people to, to produce a musical. Most creative people in the world. I know. And luckily for Julie at this point, Marvel had hired a new chief creative officer. So her arachne idea was good to go. Because the guy who didn't like it before was out. Was out. Marvel did have some concerns about the horniness of the musical. They were complaining <laughs> that it was a little too sexy and that Julie's. But other than that, Julie's vision was signed off on. But they were they frequently would bring up. This is a little too horny. Why? <laughs> well, because they want for they, kids. They want kids. <laughs> they use the word horny. No, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was in the I, official memo. <laughs> I was going to say the memo is like too horny. Julie, <laughs> Julie, <laughs> when a when Arachne is circling Spider Man, it feels horny. We don't like the webs shooting out of his dick <laughs> in the second act. <laughs> now, the thing I saw at Universal was very horny. Really, that, I was very uncomfortable because the Green Goblin made eyes with me. <laughs> And he was extra horny, which was like disturbing because it wasn't Willem Dafoe, obviously. No. <laughs> hey, there, girl. What you doing? What you doing? Ah, you want one of my green balls? <laughs> <laughs> so the, fir- the first draft for the script was completed in January of 2007, and the staged reading for investors was set for July. The show's preview date was set for August of 2008, but... Oh, no, that would not oh, no. come to pass. That came and went. Yeah, that came and went. The date, of course, would be pushed back for over two years. Damn. Julie yeah. Tamor and Glenn Berger met several times with Bono and the Edge while they worked on composing the score. Bono envisioned the show's song Rise Above to become a beloved classic that would make people cry when they heard it. <laughs> and this part particularly Great. offended me. Bono said that he wanted this song to become as great and like renowned as You'll Never Walk Alone. All right. Uh, I, and I assume y'all All have right. heard Rise Above, right? Oh, yes, I have heard Rise Above because I went on a YouTube rabbit hole while I was writing this episode, just gobsmacked. It is like a, it's like a, it's like, it's not even a single. It's not even a releasable YouTube single. It is no. terrible. It's bad. And You'll Never Walk Alone is from my all-time favorite Carousel. musical, Carousel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I love Carousel. So, also, fun fact, Bono is so straight that he only knows You'll Never Walk Alone from football games. What? <laughs> what? You mean soccer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. These people are idiots. I mean, so, when you go into a song writing with that goal in mind, it's just a, it's a fail. Yeah. Right. No one's yeah. thinking this is going to be an all time classic. You're not going to fucking <laughs> pop that song. You're, you're not. Uh, you're also, not. pop writing, pop songwriting has, this is getting super in the weeds, but pop songwriting is never going to be the same lyrical content and the same aspirational content. It's just never going to work that way. No, it's just Ugh. not. So Bono and The Edge were obviously not musical theater geeks, they weren't even casual fans of musical theater. So the show's producer, David Garfinkel, made both of them an ultimate mega mix burn CD. Mm. The Garfinkel the, mix. With the Gar- <laughs> he released the Garfinkel mix 
consisting of the greatest musical theater hits from the last 60 years. Oh, God. Stop it right now. I'm dead serious. Just to get them familiar with musical theater. And when Bono and The Edge listened to it, they both thought it sucked. Uh, What is this? Oh, what a beautiful morning. (laughs) Wow. Guys and dolls. (laughs) Guys and dolls. (laughs) Jellical cats. Yeah. Well, Jellicle that's not to it's be fair. Yes. <laughs> uh, like I said before, it's no surprise that the only context they had for "You'll Never Walk Alone" was from hearing it played at football games. Oh, one tidbit I liked from the book was Tamar and Berger's trip to Ireland. They went on a trip to Ireland to meet with you two, and on their last night, they all went to a wildly expensive dinner. You two offered to pay for the dinner, which Berger was grateful for because at the time he was flat broke. But then Julie Tamar piped up and said, no, 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 let's all split it. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Why? Bitch has got Disney money. She's so wealthy. And but ba- you wow. too is wealthy. <laughs> That's you too is like not they're beyond wealth. Julie Taymor is wealthy. YouTube is why beyond would, wealthy. Why would you not let Bono pick up the check? I don't know if that was some sort of power move or if it, it is a yes, yes. burger. I mean, because she didn't was, want a man paying for her meal. That's a hundred percent it. I I know the exact feeling Glenn had. In that moment, <laughs> oh, that's such a visceral feeling. Oh, yeah. that's who I relate to. Where you're like, no, I got a soup. I don't want to split. <laughs> you're like, I'm I didn't even eat any bread. <laughs> I was keeping it cheap. <laughs> Fortunately, at the last minute, you two wound up paying the bill. Oh, but Ugh. Julie tried it. Mm. How much? How expensive could Irish food be? <laughs> right, it's yeah. potatoes. Right. I know. The first stage read-through for investors went well despite the expected stumbles. Marvel's biggest note was once again their concern about the horniness of the show. Okay. <laughs> Tone it down, guys. Still too horny. Well, do they give examples of what happened? <laughs> they didn't I, I, any. I need to know the horny notes. I, I need to see. I, what's the horny level? We need an uh, FAOI for the horny notes. <laughs> we need to file one yeah. to get these released to the public. I just like knowing what people think is horny. Yeah. Because like, I'm sure we would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I think also this is like Broadway now is much more. Uh, uh, I don't want to say dirty, but they allow so much like Moulin yeah. Rouge has got tons of, of like sexual content in it. Right. But it's also this is again, it's Disney would not make the like we wouldn't make it. This is kids. So they're they're right. they're because they know that they don't care it, about parents. It, they just want kids to say, mommy, take it, me to Spider-Man and make yeah. the money. Like Can I just is not getting blown. And no, no. Although <laughs> he's not God, laying back and going. This yeah. is fried rock. Fried rock. <laughs> Scar's just getting fucked by two hyenas. <laughs> and they're like, Scar, the not, not intermixing of the species. Like, yeah, I'll do whatever I fucking yeah. want to do. Be prepared. That's <laughs> all right. That's where we go. No. Uh, building the set for Spider-Man was going to be out of control. 
I mean, <laughs> that's what I remember from it. Not the actors and not the story, but the it was a the operational mechanics of the show. That's what I remember hearing about. Yeah. Big pieces, lots of moving parts. And like you said, a death trap. Yeah. They're building like. Yeah. Well, they're trying to do special effects type stuff from movies on stage. Right. They want it to be an action movie for the stage. Set designer George Sippen was hired for the job. An aerial designer was tasked with creating the sequences where the performers were flying through the air. One technique he employed was inspired by a camera technique used at football games. A performer would be suspended on a cable directly over the stage and then would be flown around the theater and over the audience. So they wanted these performers <laughs> to be on these cables. And these were not usually in theater when you have people flying like uh, Peter Pan. They're on these cables that are parallel lines. But these cables were all going to be crisscrossing each other, yep. which is never be- had never been done before and is can be very dangerous, as we will find out. Um, this is a tall order they were undertaking. This is, I mean, just, I, and the idea of like, these are just, just for clarity. These are a lot of these people who are going to be trained to do this are Broadway chorus members and dancers. They're not and stunt, stunt. No. People. And they're not stunt people who have been, who need to do it once or twice. This is right. eight shows a week. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As Glenn Berger says in the book, these techniques were not the same as Mary Martin and Peter Pan. Mary Martin would never. <laughs> Mary Martin I'm would lying. never. <laughs> wow. Wendy, Michael, John, Tinkerbell, come on. Uh, <laughs> my rope's loose. <laughs> and she actually broke her wrist one time. Mar- Mary yeah. Martin. It wasn't from the show. No. Just- <laughs> it's so funny that they're literally now. Is a show in Los Angeles, the the whole Peter Pan goes wrong, which is just about this, about just that's like half the gag of the show, I think, is their flying antics. Yeah, I saw that. It's people have people been raving. There is a there is on YouTube. It came from an idea called on YouTube. There's a thing called Peter Pan fail. Oh, I've I've watched those (laughs) whenever I'm sad. I watch because it's just like my favorite thing is when things go wrong on stage and people kind of and the adults don't know or the people in the audience don't know it's it's fine. And everyone goes, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> no, I remember at Ardmore Little Theater when oh, we no. did The Wizard of Oz, Leah Simmons flew in as Glinda. I was in the audience because I didn't wasn't didn't do this performance. It's a long story show. Short, but please make it short and i couldn't do it but my brother my brother was a scarecrow or the tin man he was very good but it, it was politics i auditioned for scarecrow. i didn't get it because i okay. was married to the man who was the Zip stage it. it's fine i'm over it no, anyway we can, we can do a round robin after this about okay. our individual worst theater experiences so leah simmons gets flown in from she's glenda And she's a very petite, small person. So it's not like they were having to do a lot, but that was a big deal. They had all the, and she got stuck up in the air for 30 minutes and Wizard of Oz and that orchestra vamped for 30 minutes and that audience sat silently for 30 minutes, just hearing the same Munchkin theme over and over and over. Only at Ardmore Little Theater. What they had done. 
is they had to get a guy to come out on stage. But during the time, they had hurriedly thrown a munchkin costume on him. But he was a grown adult. So you could see a munchkin costume over his blacks. So nothing oh really fit. But he finally got her down. I Go. would be losing it if I witnessed that. The stories that come out of Ardmore Little Theater, mm. I still don't. I just don't think it's our dimension. We call it AL, ALT for the people in the know. Thank you. Um, Sorry, Rachel. We can continue. we can take this time briefly to discuss if anyone has personally uh, experienced themselves while on stage or witnessed a theater disaster of note. Go ahead. Uh, That's mine. I um. <laughs> This is, I have two. Um, once when I was doing Pirelli in Sweeney Todd. And if you know, uh, he slashes Pirelli's throat. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the chute, you go down in a chute and it kind of goes down to, and the, the bo- all the bodies are down there. They kind of, they greased up the chute really well because oh. it, it was literally just like metal. It wasn't really safe. <laughs> and for some reason, it caught on my pant leg. Oh. Um, and we hadn't done this in one in in. We hadn't done this in one specific costume. My costume had been changed and we hadn't done it the, the in into that. And it caught the thing and it kind of cut my leg as well. <laughs> so there was actual blood running down oh the Sweeney thing. And this, the guy who was Sweeney had to kind of kick me down, <laughs> down the chute because I was still alive. <laughs> Trying to, and he finally kicked me down. And, and like I was running around, and but I had blood all over my leg from getting cut on the chute. Oh and they God. had to fix the chute the next day. But yeah, Sweeney actually had to take his foot. And kick my leg off. <laughs> Still staying in character. <laughs> I love that. Yep. I love I d- that. I will say one time, the funny one of the funniest things, and it's it is on YouTube. You can find the Helen Keller uh <gasps> fail when she falls into the orchestra pit. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. I have seen <laughs> and she that. gets and she gets back up, and it's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. I love the clip on YouTube of Peter Pan. <sighs> Flying through the window and smacking, <laughs> just knocking set pieces down, knocking oh. set pieces down, and then trying to save the moment and goes, "Hello, Wendy." Yes, <laughs> Desi, have you ever failed on stage before? No. Oh, oh that was very quick. No. Wow. I've I've had stressful moments. I've talked about when I helped direct Oliver for kids. Right. Um, that uh, most of my fails are me inappropriately laughing while watching things. <laughs> oh, right. It, being in the audience. Being in the audience, and I'll belly laugh at something that's dark, but no one else laughs because it was serious. <laughs> yeah. There was this is this is kind of not a stage fail, but it's a really embarrassing moment when my mother came to see me in an opera performance and it was in the round. Oh, I um, the round. And Sorry, the thing on. about and the director, Paula Homer, who also wore rock deodorant, very she's, Julie Taymor type. She's dead. But she's dead. Um dead. she's dead now. And she uh there was at one point I was getting um, I had a, a a talk. I was the Roman Emperor Nero and I had this consult with my uh, friend kind of conciliary and he she staged him to be giving me a massage. 
<laughs> and and there was this song was like oh oh in this and so my there was my mother watching me getting a massage from another man in the round and i was not clothed <laughs> oh wow you don't understand oh, paula homer she would make paper cutting sexual wow. i was it was in the round and he would like push the back and i would go oh and my <laughs> mother would go cut shepherd <laughs> Father couldn't. Father Poodle couldn't Too see this. Horny. <laughs> Too horny. Too horny. Rachel, have you, like an, have you had an incident? Yeah, uh, this was actually performing in the round as well. Ten Ugh. years ago, our director relapsed on meth uh, like a week before the show went up. Booty <laughs> oh, bump. There and you go. He, it's okay. He's fine now. Uh, but <laughs> he relapsed on meth, and we all knew it in the cast because we were all in recovery, and we we're we're all like. What's going on? And, and you like, all oh. knew it because we, you all were in recovery. We were all in recovery. We're like, okay, I know what that is. I know what's happening, but we couldn't do anything. We had a show to perform. The show must go on. The show must go on. And sober he, or not. At some point in the middle of the show, he took over the tech and <laughs> he decided to get on the microphone and announced to the theater while we were in the middle of doing the play that we were cutting the scene and moving on to the next scene. Oh, and, and that's what happened. Wow. And we just had to, uh, like the lights went down. Were you insulted? Well, (laughs) I was, I wasn't in the scene, but, but my friend Frederick was, and I'll never forget backstage. What the fuck? And he was just going, I mean, it was, he was humiliated. He was absolutely humiliated. Um, like I said, my friend, he's fine now. He's totally fine now. But it was definitely one of the craziest experiences I've ever had on stage. Because oh it was so God. unhinged. Yeah, unhinged, yeah. It was unhinged and unpredictable. And what do you do? And also, I hate performing in a round. I already, I already said Awful. that. Yeah, same. You, they, can see, they can see everything. My mother, my mother saw every part of my body. <laughs> it's not a, good, not a good time. A 360 view. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. So, okay. (laughs) So the technical aspects of the show were complicated and there was no way the production would be up and running by August of 2008. So they abandoned that. At this point, they hoped to just get to rehearsals by 2009. Initially, they wanted to run the show for three months in Chicago, but the idea of building and then dismantling and then moving (laughs) these complicated sets was impossible. Impossible. And they had the what's worse is they have unlimited money. So they they can actually think about things like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. During this time. The show was set to be held at the Hilton Theater on 42nd Street. With the elaborate sets, costumes, and stunts, the show was now going to cost $45 million. Yep. Most expensive show ever, yeah. Yeah. And it got higher. Yep. Julie Taymor bristled at Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark being a Broadway production. She didn't... She wanted it to be beyond Broadway. She... she, B-B-Way. BB way <laughs> beyond beyond Broadway. She said, I don't even want this to be considered a musical. She said, it's a circus rock and roll drama. Oh, how insufferable. Gross. Yeah. We've transcended musical theater. <laughs> Something much worse. She wants it to be a show gonna, of like Cirque put... du Soleil in Vegas. Yeah. Oh. And if you and if you disagree, I'm gonna put your head in my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's her arachne power. <laughs> Julie had a reputation for extravagance and Spider-Man was becoming a really expensive show. The New York Post quoted an unnamed former colleague of Julie's who said, quote, you got to be on top of Julie all the time. She'll spend days and days on one minute of stage time. It will (laughs) it will be a brilliant minute, but you'll end up bankrupt. According to Glenn Berger, David Garfinkel told him and Julie to not worry about the money. He's like, go nuts. Yeah. Garfinkel, boy. Good old Garfinkel. (laughs) At one point, 3D holograms were considered being used. (laughs) Oh, God. And when Julie learned that the tech might not work in the theater, 
this created problems with the show's plot. She's like, well, right. I, was ex- I was expecting that we could have these holograms. Now what are we going to do? So you're telling me I can't have holograms and I can't have I can't have CGI on stage. Right. And you're telling me what can I have? <laughs> you mean it's a play? This is happening yeah. in real time. Yeah, it's real it's, time. It's very quirky from um, uh, Waiting for Guffman at that at this point. Yes, yes, yes. In a 2008 New York Post article, Michael Rydell claimed sources called the show's book messy. The piece largely focused on the extreme costs to produce this musical. In February of 2009, Glenn Berger was at a meeting with the editor in chief of Marvel. While listening to one of the songs from the show, he said, does he say shit? Peter Parker can't say that. He just doesn't ever. For all these years, we've been very careful to make sure Spider-Man never resorts to that kind of language. Oh, hell's bells. Hell, shit. Hell's like bells. the Bono was trying to be edgy, putting shit in. <laughs> I just want to say shit. Uh, shit. Uncle Ben died. He's right, though, as <laughs> Uncle Ben died. And me, I just want to say the word shit. <laughs> Aunt May's taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the first teaser performance for investors went well. Songs from the show were performed and video of the stunts practiced on the soundstage were showed. The buzz for the show around town was good at this point. In June of 2009, the show had its cast. Reeve Carney as Peter Parker. Natalie Mendoza as Arachne and Evan Rachel Wood as Mary Jane. Oh. And later they got Alan Cumming <laughs> to play the Green Goblin. Yes. That's good <laughs> casting, I'll say. It's That's the best casting. Yeah. Yeah. Getting permits to renovate the Hilton Theater to accommodate these sets caused the opening night to be pushed back to April of 2010. Thanks, Teamsters. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know they're like, you got a permit for this? <laughs> but then production on the show stalled. The show was bleeding money in rent on the theater that was being unused for several months as they waited for these permits, basically. And of course, all those production costs. The show was in desperate need of money. $20 million to be exact. And producer David Garfinkel was unable to raise the funds. He bled everyone Uh-oh. around him dry. No, News? no shit. Because he kept telling everybody, go nuts. Go <laughs> nuts. <laughs> News of- Have you heard my Garfinkel mix? <laughs> <laughs> I want the Garfinkel mix. I want to know what he put on I, it. I want to know what the the edge and Bono hated. Right. I guarantee you it's everything I love. I, yeah. I'm Yeah, it's probably great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so news. Luck be a lady. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) News of the production struggles hit the press, citing conflicts among people working on the show and lack of funds to put on the most expensive show in Broadway history. Alan Cumming was put on a retainer because they did not want him to leave. And they're not. like. There's no production stopped right now, but they're putting Alan Cumming on, I guess, presumably expensive monthly retainer yeah ain't no well, star this, power like alan cumming that's <laughs> right well this is when <laughs> alan cumming too was, was i mean he's big now but this is when he was like 
huge with Chicago, he, like not long cabaret. after Cabaret. He had done Cabaret. He had also done, I think he was right after this, in the same time he was doing uh, Three Penny Opera with Cindy Lauper. Oh, right. Yeah. But the New York Post then reported that Evan Rachel Wood had left the show. Despite that reporting, however, Evan told Julie, no, 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 I'm still going to do the show. They got it wrong. But the guy who was covering all of this at the New York Post, he was a messy bitch who lived for drama. This Mike, uh, Michael Rydell. Michael Rydell. Yeah. A, a classic messy bitch. He yeah. is such a messy bitch, notoriously. And he really had it out for Spider-Man. So any little tidbit he could get to write about, he was on it. He was in Smash and they gave him one role. And he's like, can I please be back? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> the reporting at the Post, however, was hampering their chances of securing additional investments because people were starting to see this was news now that this was a shit show. But that mm-hmm. is that that's it's that it's the Post fault. Yeah, that's what did all this. Right. Yeah. It was the Post. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, it was that. That fall, the New York Times called the costs of the Spider-Man musical vulgar <gasps> while praising ragtime's pared down production they said now that's a that's a musical it's no ragtime well, well when i at the first the 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 first time ragtime came out uh they had the car on stage the wheels of a dream and then in the pared down production it was just like two folding chairs and a sheet <laughs> wow that's pared down <laughs> it wasn't yeah. but that's basically what it looked like it was like the costs they like pushed a flat on stage and there were had like someone else did like this with the wheels. <laughs> right. <laughs> like spin stuff around. <laughs> David Garfinkel stepped aside as producer and Bono enlisted the help of a music promoter named Michael Cole to help. Mm. So Michael Cole, get a promoter to help always. Yeah. yeah. Got Boy. a promoter to help. Michael Cole and Jeremiah Harris took over as producers and the pair was able <sighs> to raise $30 million. Wow. Okay. Harris, wow. These are, are ju- these are stupid. just people who are good at raising money now. Yeah. Yeah. Who are Harris in there. Yeah. was not shy about blasting David Garfinkel in the press. Ooh. This is what he said. We raised $30 million for the show. Now this is a $30 million show. Or is it a $65 million show that one schmuck, and you can quote me on this, <gasps> that the schmuck running things before us screwed up? More like wow. Garf Stinkle. <laughs> <laughs> Under the new producers, Julie Taymor hired a new team of set designers, costumers, and choreographers. All top of the line, all very expensive. The following year in 2010, production at the Hilton Theater resumed. But in March, it was official. Evan Rachel Wood had dropped out. Yeah. And so had Alan Cumming. <gasps> the king yeah. of Broadway! <laughs> Berger notes in his book, that due to Alan Cummings' monthly retainer, the only person who had made any money from this venture was Alan Cumming. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> He's the only one who'd make any money on he Spider-Man. He great. <laughs> <laughs> the role of Mary Jane eventually went to Jennifer Damiano. By this time, it was widely known, even in by non-Broadway fans, that Spider-Man was a doomed production. The show was scheduled to have its preview eight months later, November 14th, 2001. The tech guys, however, were very concerned. They were like, this is this is eight months away. This is not enough time. Rehearsals began in August 
but nearly a third of the show wouldn't be ready to rehearse for another month due to tech. The set at the theater, now named the Foxwood, was finally completed at the end of August. The aerial designer, Scott Rogers, planned on staging an elaborate fight between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin at the end of Act 1 that involved Spider-Man jumping from a balcony and landing in the audience (gasps) in an aisle. The fight would then then resume above the audience's head. The description of the proposed fight in Glenn Berger's book is absurd, and it involves Spider-Man riding the Green Goblin like a surfboard. I just need to say this. Wow. If you guys have ever been part of a fight call um, before the show where you have to fight, even the simplest things are practiced 10 12 times over and over again, every single show. I was in a show where someone had to punch me one time. We had to fight call it. We fight called it again and again and again, every time before the show. That simple needed to be done. And this it's it's incredibly irresponsible. Just a punch. You have to. Yeah, that, that was a punch. And let's reiterate these people who are playing the flying Spider-Man and flying Green Goblin, they they didn't get stunt professional stuntmen. No. No. So yeah, I think we, we need to be clear. It's not Aerialist like one guy's playing dancers. Peter Parker and then Spider-Man. Don't get me started that the star of the show is going to have his entire face and mouth covered too. So let's just talk about we can't emote yeah, Reeve, anything. Reeve Carney, who later was in Town, and Jumper Damiano, who was later in Next to Normal. But, right. but they actually they're, had careers after. Surprisingly, they're, wow. they're not they switching out. I just want to clarify. I, I don't know this. I'm asking. They didn't. They're not switching out Spider-Man I, in the I costume. Think they did. Stand. Right. Oh, they did. I think they I think they did have a stunt. That they had to have. Yeah. Well, this fight was demonstrated by the tech guys with this by taking a sandbag, which they were said this. This will be the person we're using oh, this sandbag. God. As the as the person, they attached it to a cable, and as they're initiating this sequence, the sandbag kept slamming into the proscenium. That's is, not going to happen in the show, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Also, I forgot to mention these cables were not uh, sort of util like they weren't. Uh, wasn't the same mechanism that with like guys with pulleys backstage. It was all done on a computer. All the cables had to be programmed. (gasps) Oh my God. So if anything went wrong with the computers. I'm having, I, my stomach just went to the floor because I just know how at least you've got grips in the back. Who can respond. You can respond. Oh my God. Oh, that Leah Simmons would have never gotten down if this was on a computer. She would still be there at Ardmore Little the Theater. Would still hanging. be playing. <laughs> still vamping. <laughs> Around this time, production learned that the giant spider web that was supposed to unfurl from the ceiling over the audience had to be thrown away because no one could get it to work. Mm. So yeah, that's that's the that's the one that was horny because it was like cum. It was the yeah. cum. <laughs> Come web on the audience. It was a lopey road, ropey, ropey load, ropey load. <laughs> wow, wow. This is, down. wow. Okay, kids loved it. Kids loved I, it. I've got to say, this is two women said this, and I, I and I was like, I was, I was like, I admire that. As soon as she said ropey load, it's like I'm right there with you. 
Oh, we have a uh, mug in our merch store that says strong load <laughs> because we we had an episode in the early days talking about uh, we, we used to review porn, <laughs> like porn with with stories we oh. would, uh, for our Patreon episodes. And uh, w- one guy had a very weak load and we didn't appreciate that. Uh, I, God, I love hanging. I love hanging with with people who can talk about loads. Mm. I'm right mm. here with you. It's a big part yeah, of our show. I yeah, I think you've had some other, diff- I think different circles, though, than just two women you've talked about loads. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, seen a lot of loads in my time. And you usually have a ball <laughs> gag in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You could have handled that web. <laughs> I could have. You could have. Well, this web cost a million dollars to construct. And Jesus. it was just thrown out. Thrown out. Thrown out. They couldn't get it to work. Then came the tech rehearsals, which were an arduous undertaking. And it was during a tech rehearsal that one of the performers playing Flying Spider-Man slammed into a ramp and broke his toe, causing a hairline fracture in his foot. Ouch. He wouldn't be able to perform for several weeks. And that ramp caused problems for another one of the performers as well. Yeah. (laughs) Afterwards. Not long after, the dancers were redoing some choreography and one dancer did a flip and landed on his head, knocking <gasps> him out cold. Was that his fault? Well, <laughs> yeah, he didn't flip he, well. He slipped on a web. <laughs> well, it was very close to the show's previews opening and they decided let's, let's do some new choreography. Oh, okay. It, and it's, it's so interesting hearing this because like I'd, I'd heard about some of the specifics, but like, to be a theater person and knowing how much we depend on safety. Yeah. I can't believe the union let them do this, you, honestly. Well, with Disney, who knows? Um, but I'm just saying, it's just like the reason why you can kind of let go and be yourself on stage is if you feel safe to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And when you when you don't, God, this is scary shit. Yeah. Oh, it just yeah. chills yeah. me to the bone. I'm Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Disney did buy Marvel in 2009. Yeah. I couldn't remember when it was Disney. Okay. During tech, they also realized that at one point during the show, actors would be standing directly over an open pit. Whoops. <laughs> that if they were to stumble, would drop them six feet below <gasps> to a concrete floor. Awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. In the middle of the show. And they decided, well, we're... That pit's going to be open at this point, and we can't do anything about it because because we have a, a platform that comes up on a scissor lift at another point. So we need to keep that pit open. So they're, we're just going to have to deal with it. And be we careful, call guys. that yeah. Garfinkling. We, call- <laughs> we told y'all there was a pit. Watch out for it. <laughs> By October 5th, only 37 minutes of the entire show had been tech rehearsed. Holy oh shit. Oh, my God. Yo, this is we're ta- we're. We're literally talking almost eight years of pre-production here. Damn. Yes. Yeah. And I got to say, if anyone's ever done a tech rehearsal before, they're tedious. They're oh, boring. Oh, yeah. Q to Q, 10 hours sometimes. Yeah. You want to kill yourself at the end of it. Yeah, you, you do. You just don't even, you, you just, you but hate it. Yeah. 37 so, minutes and they've done it for like weeks. Weeks. They <sighs> haven't even tech rehearsed the, the whole show yet. By the end of October, the press was reporting on the accidents that had occurred during the rehearsals. Uh, and of course, Michael Rydell, mm-hmm. he's on the case. 
He reported on Kevin Aubon, one of the performers, breaking both of his wrists when he slammed into that very same ramp that broke that other performer's toe during a sales pr- presentation. Ugh. He had like a ticket sales presentation to some people. <laughs> and he <laughs> slammed into the ramp. Just picturing Michael we're, we're doing this for TKTS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soon, Spider-Man became known as this unsafe show in which performers were at risk of injury or worse. In a subsequent article, Michael Rydell called the production a, quote, bone-breaking spectacle of insanity. Mm. (laughs) Don't hold back. back. (laughs) Don't (laughs) hold back. He was so mean. I read all of these articles he wrote. Oh, he is an absolute bitch. He's such a bitch. Yeah. It wasn't just Rydell at the Post who was on Spider-Man's ass. The New York Times was reporting that the show's preview was being pushed back another two weeks because no one could get their shit together. Mm. And two mm. weeks before the previews, the show still didn't have a proper ending. <laughs> that the come net. That was the ending. Right. Oh. That. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> they didn't have an ending. Wow. Meanwhile, the Department of Safety and Labor hadn't even approved all of the aerial stunts. <laughs> Incredible. Glenn wow. Berger lost it at this point. He lost it at all the blogs and the negative reports coming from the show. So he began to anonymously comment on several different blogs defending the show, which backfired on him because he was just mercilessly mocked for it in the comments. Oh, I'm sure. He would have been like when I tried to be on Reddit and like yeah. someone asked me, how old are you? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he screamed. Now, does he talk about this in his book that he yes. was just trolled? Yes. Oh, yes. oh my God. He, he, yeah. he, he talks a lot about like the mental spiral that was happening at this point under the weight of all of this pressure and just the, the general mood. It's a really good book. I highly recommend reading it. And then during all of this, his dog dies. Oh. So this is not a good time in What's his life. What's Julie doing? Is she just cool as a cucumber? No. Sorry, your dog cool. died. Julie. Let's have a meeting. Yeah, let's yeah. have a meeting. Julie's coming apart at the seams as well. Her pits are ripening. They are. <laughs> <laughs> it just smells like cheeseburger when you yeah. walk in. <laughs> Two days before the preview is when Berger realized this show is camp. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Two days. Two days. What a horrible realization. God. He yeah, he has that. He, he's watching the, the rehearsals. and He's like, oh, my God, this is a campy show and it cannot be saved. Um, this oh, is I not just, a serious I just, show. I just put myself in his place and I thought about that and how. I would say, yep. Hey, Brooklyn Bridge, I'm heading there to jump off because, (laughs) wow. What do you do? Jesus. One of the scenes that was particularly campy that he knew, okay, we have to at least try to do something about this, was a scene in which the Green Goblin plays a green piano on top of the Chrysler building. (laughs) (laughs) We're on top of the Chrysler building. You know, why not? I could see how this would have a serious bent to it definitely not camp at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah he said he looked like liberace up there it was absurd i mean this is the first time i've been interested in the show (laughs) i I mean even with the green uh, that is gobsmacking 
That is also super gay. Um, That one is so gay. So burger, I mean, that's always the best is when straight creators create something unintentionally. so fucking gay. Yeah. 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 So burger was making these. It's like Field of Dreams. Like we talked about Field of Dreams. It's just a bunch of men who want to fuck on a baseball field. Well, a baseball uniform is very, it's very hot. Oh, it's, hot uniform. it's oh. so hot. Baseball I, uniforms are the hottest. I only played baseball because I love those little leggings that you mm-hmm. put on your calves. It made me feel like um, it made me feel like I was, you know, in the 17th century. Yes, because <laughs> they were they were uh, little bloomers, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very cute. Weren't you portly, though, as Ooh. a baseball player? <laughs> And we'll be my right calves back. weren't <laughs> <laughs> my legs weren't fat. Yeah. Now from our sponsor, better health. <laughs> uh, so burgers making rewrites, trying to make this green piano Chrysler building scene less ridiculous. Okay. It's yeah, less gay. Uh, I don't think it worked, though. Oh, and they still didn't have a proper ending to the show. Just pull out that piano for me. This is this is two days before two the days. preview. Two days they do not have an ending Ugh. to the show. Poor performers. So an ambitious last minute ending involving a spider, a new spider web, and the lift inside the pit was devised. So a very tech heavy ending was two rushed. days before. Yeah. Two days before. It was risky, they said, but it's better than having no ending at all. We might we have to risk our performers' lives for what's this human ending. lives. Who cares? <laughs> the preview took place on November 28th, 2010. As the audience poured in, Berger said that he felt like Bernie Madoff the day before the Ponzi scheme unraveled. <laughs> <laughs> Things were going okay, save for a loose cable that wound up in the audience at one point. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hope nobody missed that. Was it sparking? What could go wrong. <laughs> but panic set in when Arachne was ascending and got stuck. Yep. Like, show... what's his name? What's her name? Leah. Like Leah like Simmons, Leah. Blended like the Good Witch. Leah. And someone sh- was vamping a U2 song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's awful. The show paused for an agonizing eight minutes. Oh, God, that's a long time in Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. Did she stay in character? (laughs) I don't know. Just like going. (laughs) I'm a (laughs) rackney. The show resumed its first act with little issue until the climactic end when Spider-Man is soaring through the air. Mm. He's soaring through the air at high speeds on this cable when suddenly he abruptly stopped on the cable and jerked back. And he was just hanging there above the audience awkwardly. Someone backstage had accidentally leaned against the emergency (laughs) stop button. That's oh, me. Sorry my about that. God. Like Indiana Jones, like just like accidentally pushing the what? button. Did nobody like it's put just... a clear box over the button? So you had to like lift Rachel's the cat bo- jumped I mean, on the table. It's yeah, just a, it's a like grip a eating a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, eating a hot dog and reading a porno mag. Exactly. <laughs> against, reading a copy against... of Jugs. Yeah, Jugs. <laughs> uh, so... 
so he's hanging there as the audience is just dying to get to intermission. Right. This is the final the final scene in the at the end of the first oh. act. So crew members are like desperately trying to pull him with their like they're trying to pull him down, but he's just out of reach <gasps> from them. So so somebody some crew member decided to get a stick and just sort of poke <laughs> at him. <laughs> <laughs> and poke at him, but the stick only pushed Spider-Man further away. Oh. What? Oh. <laughs> I mean, he did get down somehow, and the audience soon filed oh. into the lobby for intermission. Get Spider-Man down. That bar must have been ten people to... deep. <laughs> During Act Two, the show was stopped for a fifth time. And that's when a woman in the audience shouted, I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like a guinea pig tonight. Wow. Wow. She was wow. mad. Wow. One of the swings who like to who was gonna play Spider-Man among other like an understudy, he happened to be in the audience that night. So he started a boo. He started <laughs> booing her when she said that. And oh then I guess everyone else just started booing her. Well, wow. you're in a when you're when you're in a show, you don't a lot of times you don't realize how terrible it is because every, <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. has like group brainwashing. Right, like, I right. think this is great. And then you then you go half. You're like, wow, I was really like Manson family brainwashed. In that right. Show. <laughs> right. But they made it through the first show and everyone involved thought of this as a miracle, despite all of those technical. <laughs> they're like, well. That was pretty fucking good considering the circumstances. Considering, yeah. Considering. As predicted, Michael Rydell shat all over the preview. He was there. He <laughs> just picturing that bitch there. He was so happy. He just opened up his butt cheeks and just like, he yeah. climbed up on the second, the, the mezzanine and just like <laughs> shat all, all over, over everyone. Yes. He shat out the biggest web of all. Yeah. <laughs> A brown web <laughs> covering the orchestra. The finale they were looking for. <laughs> a, leb- a webby load of shit. Yes. A ropey load. Ropey load. A, a ropey brown arm. load. <laughs> covering rows L through Q. <laughs> Just the odds. There was very negative feedback among other critics about the character of Arachne. People Ooh. did not like Arachne. Which was the complete invention of Julie Taymor. Yeah. Yeah. Critics yeah. said, what was her point? Oh. Why was, she, why was she there? What does this have to do with Spider-Man? This was, of course, Julie Taymor's baby, and she was very defensive about the character. During a talk with the cast, Patrick Page, who was playing the Green Goblin at this point, he told Julie, you know, Maybe Arachne just becomes a little bit trivial at the end of the second act. By the second Uh-oh. act, she did not like that. No, she was not happy with Patrick Page. Yeah, with telling Patrick her Patrick Page, who is married to Paige Davis, who is Paige Davis Page. Oh, that's like Taylor <laughs> Lautner yeah, married tra- someone named yes. Taylor. Mm, yes, that's wild. Trading and Spaces, bu- Paige Davis. Oh, Trading Spaces. I was wondering if that's the Trading same. Spaces, yes. yes. Oh, my God. Surprisingly, Patrick Page seemingly heterosexual. Apparently. Who knew? Apparently, like Frank from Trading Spaces. 
Oh, he's dead. He's dead too. What? Desi, what? Yeah, Frank had a wife. You never met Frank's wife on the show? I think I may have blocked that out. Yeah, Frank had a wife. Well, a widow now. Mm, no, I think yeah. that's misremembered gen- generationally. Yeah. I think we all had a had a had a we all misremembered that. No, that's we crazy. we met his wife and we met Doug's wife. You're kidding. We never met Doug's wife. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think Doug's gay. Sorry, if we're move, if we'll move on. <laughs> and speaking of arachne. Just hours before the second preview, Natalie Mendoza sustained a concussion <laughs> during the previous night's performance. Oh, so during no. the first preview, Natalie Mendoza sustained sustained a concussion. And she didn't tell anyone until like a few hours before their second preview. She's like, I'm feeling a little woozy. Yeah. I my doctor says I have a concussion. She's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? They just they dropped me four times backstage. So I'm just Yeah, I can't do it. She was in the pit during the final scene while she was getting dressed and preparing to be lifted up on that platform from the pit when she was struck by a falling carabiner. (laughs) That's the most lesbian way to go. That's so what is it? Always have lots of carabiners. They always uh, have what a is a carabiner? I don't know what that is. Carabiners is like a metal hook that you put on things. Car- oh. Carry a bunch of keys and stuff. Every lesbian <laughs> has a bunch of carabiners. Oh my god! I a lesbian had to borrow my car today, and she said, "Here are my keys. If you need it, it was a big carabiner. Always yeah. on a carabiner. A carabiner, not a carabino like in Marriage of <laughs> Figaro. Oh, sorry, <laughs> carabiner." <laughs> God damn. The following day, (laughs) Natalie was told by her doctor that she would not be able to perform until she was fully recovered. Mm. Like she was badly injured by this. So she was out for the carabiner. Wow. By a carabiner. Michael Rydell ate this shit up. Mm. He was so happy to report that someone had sustained a concussion. Another injury. (laughs) Another injury. I've done my work. It'll make room for a new revival of uh, old Calcutta. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Following previews presented new challenges that hadn't been there before. They would fix certain aspects of the show, but then new problems would arise. It was sort of like whack-a-mole at this point. Where just new shit yeah. Yeah. would come up and people were desperately, furiously trying to fix these issues. Natalie Mendoza, she's still out. She's still recovering. And her understudy had a very bad show one of the nights. Natalie finally returned in December ahead of the show's scheduled January opening. And on December 20th, during another preview, disaster struck during Act 2. Chris Tierney, a dancer. This is what I remember. Yes. This This guy was, he was, he's a dancer and actor who was playing one of the flying spider men fell (gasps) 30 feet to the bottom of the pit below Mm -hmm. and onto concrete. Berger (sighs) in the book describes step-by-step what happened and how it was supposed to go. But basically what happened is that one of the cables wasn't attached properly sending him plummeting down to this hard concrete. 
Chris miraculously landed on his back, even though he was going head first. Oh Berger attributes it to the fact that he's a dancer and he must have, in a split second decision, mm-hmm. twisted his body. He did fracture his skull, <gasps> broke four ribs, punctured a lung, mm. and broke his back. Jesus. Oh, my God. The show, of course, ended immediately when that happened because screaming was heard from, yeah. from the stage. Video of Chris falling made its way to YouTube. Oh, like no. immediately after. That's what I remember seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I've I watched the video so it's many horrific. times. It's horrific. It's awful. You see yeah. the cable just snap. <laughs> yeah. And no. he goes head first. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. Uh, by the time that video was on YouTube, press was camped out at the theater. They wanted answers. <laughs> Michael Rydell. Wow. He was first in line. <laughs> While Chris Tierney was excited to return to the show once he was healed, Natalie Mendoza, who witnessed the fall while she was down in the pit getting ready, was like, I'm done. Yeah. Good for her. (laughs) I'm done. She was done. She did two shows and she was out. The mood amongst the cast and crew at this point was dark. It was real dark. I could see that. Yeah. Turn on the dark. (laughs) (laughs) And then came backlash from other actors in the theater community. Adam Pascal said in a Facebook post, they should put Julie Tamor in jail for assault. Wow. And when people were like, (laughs) and and people were like, wow, wow, Adam. Wow. And he, and then he weirdly said he was just joking. What? It's a very weird response. He was trying to be relevant again. Yeah. That was, that was, that was he was waiting for them to call him for the rent movie where yeah. everyone was way too old. <laughs> yeah. But in January, Glenn Berger and Julie Tamor got into a fight about changes that he wanted to make in the second act. Julie was protective of all things Arachne, and Glenn wanted to cut one of her numbers that he believed <gasps> was bogging down the show. He described to Julie, he was like, look. Arachne has three temper tantrum numbers in a row in the second act, and it's enough already. But but he's saying this to her very delicately because this is a very delicate situation. They are all very different types of temper tantrums. Yeah, she did say that. She did say that. (laughs) Wow. She said, what are you talking about? Those numbers are wildly different from one another. Yeah. Now, while he's trying to broach this subject to Julie, he is subsequently, he's like also at the same time, simultaneously, he's talking to other people involved in the show. He's talking to Bono. He's talking to The Edge. He's talking to producers. And they're all agreeing with him that Arachne has overstayed her welcome. And Uh she needs to be cut significantly or retooled in some way before opening night. Um. Uh Obviously, they're kind of Glenn Berger is fretting about how this is going to be an explosion if yeah, anyone if anyone brings this up. Because they know how the room smells dancing. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. they know it's only going to get worse. Bono and the Edge at this point they hadn't even seen the show because they were like on tour or something. <laughs> they they, they were too on. busy. They fit, they wrote the songs and they were done. They have not seen the show. So the first time they shot saw it was in January. 
And they agreed. The second act sucked ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they were like, I, it is not good. I will say this. No one wants to hear this is not good from two people who pieced out like a year and a half ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would kick you in the fucking throat. Yeah. If you said yeah. that to me. Um, so they agreed that the second act needed work. And so they all had a meeting. And during the meeting, Bono told Julie that it seemed the second act was all about Arachne rather than Spider-Man. And then the edge chimed in after that and was like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And then Glenn Berger began to speak. But Julie at this point was like, shut up, shut up. She was feeling ganged up on mm-hmm. by all these people telling her that Arachne sucked. And the whole theater smelled like onions. Oh, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So Julie, feeling very defensive, shot back at the edge and Bono and said, oh, yeah, well, when are you guys going to fix the lyrics? <gasps> oh, girl. And that's don't you talk to edge. Bono like that. Bono. Bono. Bono was not having that. She should have called him Bono. That would have been funny. <laughs> yes, that would be so funny. She was they were basically like enough. Yeah. We don't have to take this from you. And they yeah. stormed out. It was it ended on a very bad note, this meeting. And in February, when the show opened for critics, Julie's story was trashed. Oh. Like the whole story of the show. They were like, this sucks ass. Ben Brantley at the New York Times said, quote, I get the impression that Arachne, as the ultimate all-controlling artist, is the only character who much interests Miss Tamor. But that doesn't mean that she makes sense. Yeah. He also Oh, what a brutal little bitch move. Yeah. yeah. Uh he also had some things to say about the visuals, wondering how $65 million could look so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite little snippet from the article. He said, anyway. There are lots of flat cardboard boardish sets, which could easily be recycled for high school productions of Grease and how to succeed in business without really trying. <laughs> oh, my God. Tongue pop. That's a tongue pop. Yeah, it is. That's, Michael that's, Rydell was that. furious. Yeah, he he. Yeah. Ben Brantley. Oh, oh she's. She's got she's got acid in her spit. Mm-hmm. She's nasty. The one redeeming quality he wrote was <laughs> was when a technical difficulty occurred, causing Patrick Page to do an improvised bit where he vamped on his green piano and broke the fourth wall. <laughs> oh. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I love a piano, a green piano. I like a nice well to play. <laughs> W-W-W-B. <laughs> <laughs> hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. Hello, my Spider-Man. Turn off the door. If he's saying it's not that easy being green, I would have died. <laughs> Just died. He's on this little piano, and he breaks the fourth wall, making some kind of remark about how dangerous the show is that they're doing. And that's uh, when the audience erupted in laughter. Yeah. Which... <laughs> Probably made Julie furious because this was supposed to be a very dead serious show. Yeah. Yes. But everyone is roaring. 
Wow. Because they're acknowledging just the truth, <laughs> the truth and the how truth. absurd the show is. Truth and comedy. There you go. Truth mm. and comedy. The show's official opening night was pushed back to March. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the producers spent the next month meeting with Glenn and Julie to come to an agreement about the changes that needed to be made to the script. But Julie was adamant about her original vision. Mm. And so she quit. She left the oh. show. Finally. She, wow. <laughs> They're like, My, finally we can breathe right again. Get, get oh. some fans in here. Get oh. some fans in here. <laughs> Everyone's buttholes unclenched at that moment. But she left the room. <laughs> and their noses. And their noses. <laughs> and their noses. I like that it's just canon now that Julie Tamer has stinky armpits. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. it, though. You, you know just it. Yeah. know. You do know it. A new director was hired, Philip William McKinney, and a new playwright, Roberto Aguirre. Aguirre Sacasa, writer of Riverdale. Oh. He, yeah. was, he was hired to be a script doctor. He had some open heart surgery that yeah. he had to do to fix this shit. Yeah. The show finally opened for real in June of 2011. Though changes had been made to reflect the show's critiques, the damage was done. We all know what we think of when we think of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. The show did run until 2014, but it never made back its money. Mm. I still can't believe it ran for three years. That's incredible. It's pretty it wild. And I, but it was was wow. one of those things where you go because the name is Spider Man, yeah, right. And if if the show was good, like The Lion King, if the show was good, it could have run for another twenty years. That was though at a time where um, Batman. Oh, we're going to go Bale. into it. We're going to go well, into no, but it is nerdy that's comic when, times. That's when it blew up in comics. Is we had Christian yeah. Bale, Nolan, Batman, and it was dark reading. So then. Everything comic book became gritty, gritty, dark. This is before Marvel started its movies and all of that, that uh, weren't all that. So it's just that's what that's what, you know, no one wants to try anything new. Yeah. And um, that's kind of why a lot of people say the Garfield movies didn't work as well because they <laughs> oh. were darker as well. Not the Garfunkel, but the Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yes. I I immediately went for, you mean Garfield the cat? Yeah, no. Um, Wait, that's, you're not talking about the cat? No, he oh. is literally Andrew talking Garfield. about Andrew Garfield oh, as oh, Spider-Man. Oh, about Tale of Two Kitties. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought wow. he was talking about Garfield fat and loving it. That, <laughs> I was like, it. I didn't know those movies were dark. I, <laughs> That's I don't know if that am I making that is that actually a Garfield movie? Fat and loving it does sound like Garfield on a stand up tour. Uh, yeah. I think that, that was just that was like the tagline. I think fat, fat loving and it. loving it. Why? <laughs> why? Why there was never a Garfield movie in the eighties with John Candy is always being <gasps> oh really my right? god! Right, he would have nailed it. He would have nailed it. Nailed it. Oh, mm. Rest in peace, John. Candy. Rest in peace. Mm. But I. I think that's how they got Julie Tamer on board, saying she could do a gritty reinterpretation. Yep. I, well, right? Julie Tamer, y'all, this is the 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 story here is to learn that when you're trying to merge high art and art for the masses, you've got to be it's really, really fucking hard. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you don't have people checking in every single step of the way, People break their backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Or just she had unchecked power. As she had unchecked power in the show. Right. No one was able to convince her otherwise. And people were also afraid, I think, to step to her and say, yeah, this idea sucks. Because she's going to put your head in her armpit. So yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. Everyone's like, no, it's no, fine. I that. love Arachne. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> oh, Stop Everyone, raising your hand. One's wearing clothespins. <laughs> it's also this idea that, um, it's this idea that a lot of people think anyone can write a musical and that's so far from the truth because it's the hardest thing in the world. It's so hard to do. And when you have even you songwriters who have no idea about musical theater form progression, what the point of Bono and edgy don't even know what a fucking song, what the importance of a song probably in a musical is supposed to meant to do as propel a character. I mean, so. Yes, and that, yeah. that's just, the part yeah. that's just so wild to me is that, yes, just because Bono and The Edge have all their hits and they're a very prolific rock band, blah, 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 they're for other people, not for me, but you're right, at the end of the day, they do not even have any sort of reverence for the art of musical theater, so yeah. why should they oh. be enlisted to do this? Because well, uh, yeah. you had these lawyers in charge who were like, we got the best rock band. We got <laughs> yeah. Julie. The they best of rock. everything. Equals, yeah. It's going like, to be great. Yeah, on paper, right? Mm -hmm. And like all the technical stuff was also just an idea right. that was impossible to implement. And people with a lot of experience could have easily squashed those ideas from the get-go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Final thoughts? I'm glad they didn't. You're glad they didn't? Didn't squash because because we wouldn't yes. have a show. Right. I mean, I'm sorry I, people got injured, obviously. Yes, we're very uh, sorry. That's not I'm I'm grateful no one died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. was sure. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember what had happened to him, but that's pretty uh, amazing. He could have died. Yeah. The guy who did a backflip and went into a coma could have died. Yeah. No, it's I crazy. Mean, I'm ugh. glad people people worked after. Um yes. Yes. Uh, people did work. I will say I'm glad Paige was in Hadestown. There, yeah, he was. And there's a guy named Adam Roberts who was in Spider-Man, and I've seen his penis, and it is quite large. Really, he's done, he's done really well after Good. that Good show. Good for him. So, Did you see yeah. it in person? No, someone sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, people just send me dick pics of people, and uh. I don't know. They was, don't send to me, and I'm grateful for it. It was really an impressive penis. Wow. I love I'm that. I'm so happy for him. I'm yeah. happy for him, too. I I think my final thought is, when we were talking and I was thinking about this, I thought, thank God Leah Simmons got down, because who would have fed her corgis if she was still <laughs> stuck up there? Because she's got like three of them. Of course she does. And she corgi. runs a daily yard, Mariah. Who would Aww. get the paper? Oh. <laughs> Fuck oh. off. Oh, Leah. <laughs> Poor Leah. <laughs> so, oh. where can people find you both? <laughs> you can find us, oh God, in the gutter. In the uh, gutter. You can find us at, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Reality Gaze Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Reality Gaze Pod, or sorry, X. X. You can find us on X at uh, Reality Gaze Pod. You can find us on the TikTok on the kids find on the TikTok Ooh. at Reality Gaze. 
And we're also realitygaze.com because it's not porn anymore because it used to be porn. That's right. Yeah. You got the domain. We got and the domain. we got we finally got the domain. And uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you, you listen to podcasts, and we're on Gaze. Patreon and Supercast and you want to find us there. But we we talk about 90 Day Fiance and other reality shows. And we do a lot of the same love thing we all do. Uh, and Love yeah. is Blind. We, we go on lots of tangents, as you can tell. You know, I will say this. Poodle would be a really good Green Goblin. Ooh. I could see it. Yes. Hello, my honey. Hello, Hello. my baby. Hello, my ragtime gal. He's got the I smile think... from it, and he already played the Joker in a synchronized swimming competition Ooh, when he was what? in middle school. Yeah, it was a you synchronized swimming synchronized routine. Swimming? That's yeah, my favorite sport. as a child, it was a gift. <gasps> um, I was gifted. That's um, a very gay sport. Uh, it is for a very gay child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it's like I was like I was groomed from for it. Mm. Everyone else in the class was Batman and Poodle was a lone joker and they face they put <laughs> makeup on him and he had this big smile with his teeth just being the joker to the Batman music <laughs> because I was the star. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that. there's a porn site called Reality Games. <laughs> there used, there used to be. There when was. Was a bunch of, it was a bunch of twinks laying in a sling. And that's, then, rea- that's reality. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's reality. That is the realest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. And so finally, we tried to buy it, and buy, nobody got back to us. And then one day, they just let it lapse, and we. Finally I just think it. I just think oh the owner God. died, probably in yeah. a sling, in a sling, in a sling, waiting for someone to find him. <laughs> wow, love that. Love that. Love Y'all, that. This thank you for wonderful. having us on. It's this nice to talk about you. This was a dream come true. At, like I said, as a sissy, this was such oh, a dream. Can't wait. And we're so excited for our listeners to hear this. And yeah. thank you again both so much. Thank y'all. All fun. right. Bye. That's it. Bye. Bye.